The first step in getting closer to God is to realize that you need to or that you want to. And the second step in getting closer to God is to realize that it's possible. I want to encourage you to check out my book, Getting Closer to God, Anthologies from the Forefront Trilogy, Book 2. I think this will really be helpful to you in your pursuit of the Lord and help you understand what I learned over the first 30 plus years of my life as a believer, as a minister, and as a missionary in uh, a lot of the countries of the earth. Check it out. Anthologies from the Forefront, Book 2, Getting Closer to God. It's on Amazon. Leadership isn't always what we think of it or how we think it might be. If we look to the world's model of leadership, it looks more and more like authority, power, prestige, and, and often money. But leadership in the kingdom looks like serving, laying down our rights, giving while accepting anonymity, and embracing pain and suffering. As you will learn today in our forthcoming podcast, there's an incredible beauty and power when we allow the Lord to lead us into those places of leadership that are sometimes undesired or unaccepted. Welcome to Leader's Moment. Brought to you by Vision Voice and FX Missions Podcasting. We encourage you to take this moment and use it to sharpen the saw of your leadership perspective and performance. We're bringing you interviews, stories, and more from leaders much like yourself who are taking action, learning, realizing potential, and getting results. Welcome to the show and glad you're here. Today's story is one that is incredibly powerful and meaningful to me. Hence the breaks for getting choked up during the episode. I apologize in advance for that. Elizabeth Braswell is a friend of mine and a powerful leader. But the story she's sharing today might not look like leadership the way the world sees it. It's not a quick tip or trick or hack for how to get ahead without a third of the effort. No inspirational go get them story here, but that is what makes it powerful. It's a story of how simple obedience and leadership and anonymity can sometimes make a more substantial and sustained change in the world than having a high profile platform or a position of authority. Because this isn't the norm, I'd love to hear from you. Would you like more episodes like this one on Leaders Moment or maybe less? I'd love to get your feedback at scott at fxmissions.com by email. So let me know. One of the things that she shared or some of the things that she shared reminded me of a chapter in my new book, a short chapter called What Will I Do With My Life? Uh, in this little chapter in Anthologies from the Forefront, Getting Closer to God, that's the new book I just released, I wrote there about asking meaning from your life, not just once or occasionally, but routinely. I'm quite sure that Elizabeth, who is a very accomplished and busy woman, wasn't looking for all these things that were headed her way in this leadership story 
that we're about to hear. But she kept checking in for meaning in the moment and in the movement. You'll find a a link in the show notes if you'd like to check that out. Also, as a note, we're coming up fast on Bro Summit. All right. Uh, We have a lot of those kinds of events coming in the near and distant future. So if you're interested more in learning about our leadership summits or trainings or events that FX Missions has going on, also send me an email to that effect, scott at fxmissions.com. Thank you for being here. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. We got to talk more often. I just got to say that because it's always a joy and it seems like it's a long time in between, but hey, you know, here we are. We'll make the most of the time. I know. And the Lord's going to lead us, right, Lord? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Yes, 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 Lord. Hear that? Yes, I heard that. Some said it thundered, but I heard that. Yes. Let's talk a little bit about the recent happenings of Ebraz. Well, I know that there was something health-wise that you... I'm hoping that trend doesn't continue on and on and on and on. Let's don't talk about that too much because I'm so bored of that. Okay. I did just have kidney cancer. That's fun. Oh. Did you know that? I didn't know much at a detail level. I know we were praying for you and you were going through some stuff. Yeah. So kidney cancer about nine months ago and surgery and all the stuff for that. And then full hip replacement two months ago. That was fun. (laughs) You're pushing through. We're saying it. You're pushing through. We won't talk too much about that, but the summary, how are you now? And do you feel a hundred percent? I wouldn't say a hundred, but I'm getting there. And you know what? It's like, I guess a summary would be that through all of that, through all of the physical stuff that I have had to be an overcomer with, which that seems to be the place that I've been hit the most is in my physical body. I have learned so much and it produces something in us. You know, it's like I've been thinking about that so much, how we don't want to partake in the sufferings. You know, we don't want to deal with the things that are across, like we don't want to go through all those things. But those are the things, if I look across my life, Scott, the sufferings, the really hard things have actually produced way more in my life than when I was just coasting along and not dealing with anything. So for that, I'm really thankful. And he always shows up in greater measure in the hospital walls. This last one, this hip, I'm like, all right, let's go. Take me into that hospital because I know that he will be there in such a strong presence and that he will show me something. And he always does. So I'm not the weird person. I don't want to be in the hospital, but he's used those times really in a great way. I'm with you. I recently had a sack full of challenges. I was thinking about it, you know, like we don't necessarily want pain, You know, you don't want discomfort. Almost the story of humanity is how do we escape discomfort? You know, how do we have something that we are at ease and enjoying? (laughs) Discomfort produces depth, I think. For me, that was, uh, yeah, a recent reflection. So I think that goes along with what you're saying. And so what if instead of escaping discomfort, we embraced it? Because it does produce death. And nobody wants to talk about that. I think, I don't know if I've said to you before, but I'm like, I would never sell out a weekend conference because 
it would be about how to die. I mean, that's everybody wants the big ministry, the big business, the big this. We want to like soar and, you know, but it's in the discomfort and the pain and the suffering and the hiddenness and the being alone in a hospital room or besides. I mean, it's in all these hard sufferings in our life that we begin to see what really matters, what's most important. We begin to die to self, you know, at least for me, I think even recently I was like, oh my gosh, the more that I die to self, the more available I am for others and really available for others, right? I think we all say, God first, family second, and and I'm doing this for my family and I'm working (laughs) for children's future and all this stuff. So we say the thing, but yet our deep in our heart, a lot of times what we're doing actually is to fulfill something in ourself. Does that make any sense? Yeah, it makes a ton of sense. Yeah, I think you got a good point there. (laughs) It's not just you. Yeah. Lord, help us. It's a tough lesson, but it's a beautiful lesson. It's really good. Yeah, I said depth as in deep. And you said death, which I think they both, you know, they're both true, right? When our self-will is challenging to our potential or destiny or calling and all that kind of stuff, we definitely have to realize that, you know, I think that's the first thing, you know? Yeah. It's like we got bits and pieces, right? Okay. We love the Lord. We want to fulfill our destiny. We want to do great things for him in the earth. We want to represent him well. So we then go into our own natural strength to try to fulfill our calling on our life. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Achievement is what we're really after, I think. And it still feeds us in a way. I mean, I'm I'm like raising my hand to the tip top because that was me. I wonder, I can only speak for myself, but I wonder if until we are actually not only willing but really, really, really okay with laying all of that down and really not giving a rat's patootie if we achieve anything or not, can we truly be fully used? Great question. I know. It's a question to ponder. I know that's right. I've been seeing your daily ponderings. We'll have to make sure to let folks know how to get those ponderings. When And I really believe, I mean, I love social media. It's great. I love seeing, connecting, all that kind of stuff. But I think we need another way to communicate. Agreed, for a lot of reasons. We kind of have been staging up to talk about something for a while now. I mean, like a while, while now. I don't want to figure out how long it's been because, you know, that's just going to, it's going to seem. But here's the great thing about that, because I think I know where you're going, maybe. Mm -hmm. The conversation today will be way different than the conversation would have been two years ago or a year ago, right? Yeah, more complete. Yeah, more complete. Maybe more a broader perspective, maybe. Maybe. And, uh, and more of the stories happen, too, because it's ongoing. It's ongoing. <laughs> I want to talk about your adventure in Kenya that ended up leading to you having a couple of extra kids around your table. That's kind of probably a weak introduction, but so much happened over uh, a while there. I remember. Talking to Elizabeth, a different one, maybe a different Elizabeth, okay. but the same somehow and saying, E, you really got to get your passport. You got to uh, get your passport. You're like, nah, I get my, I'm not getting my passport. I still am like, I don't want to travel. I don't want to get on a plane. I don't want to. Yeah. 
Okay, so. But you got your passport and you and some of your lady friends went to uh, Kenya. Yep. And. We did. What year was that? My first trip, I don't want to speak incorrectly, but I believe my first trip was 2017. Okay. It was July of 2017. And I went with a group of people that I didn't really know well. It wasn't until the second and third trips that I led and took women with me that were part of, you know, my world. Love compelled me Mm. to hop on a plane and go 20 some crazy hours across the world to an unknown land. Wow. And you told me, you and I had a call before and I'm like, God, okay, prepare me. And you're like, I'll never, you're like, I can't prepare you for Kenya. (laughs) No one can prepare you for Kenya. You said, it's like comparing Earth to Mars. It's just a different world. And I was like, huh, okay. And it was. Did that help? Well, I got there in the first 24 hours. I mean, you know, you're jet lagged, you're tired, you're emotional, you're in an unknown land with people you don't really know and a little bit sleeping in different ways than you've ever kind of, I mean, the whole thing was uncomfortable. And you're so far away from home. You're 9,000 miles away from home. Mm. And here you are and you're freaking out inside a little bit because you want to go home, you know? And if it was not, again, for what I knew was ahead of me, which was two faces that I had fallen in love with three years earlier. I mean, I was like, get me on the next plane out of here. I don't think I'm cut out for this. But you, it's like, a, it's just a shock to your system, I guess. And so you have to kind of settle in. And then by the second time, the third time, you know, you start, I don't know, it gets, it gets into you and you begin to long for the smells and the sounds and the people and the air and the, I mean, the whole thing, you know. Yeah, for sure. So you had actually, before you went, some years before you first went to Kenya, there was something of a relationship that ended up putting you there. Yes. How did that happen? What happened there? Well, the long story short is one of my girlfriends had gone over there, I guess like in 2013, 2014, had gone on a missions trip and was working that day at the school slash orphanage when my two children's grandmother dropped them off. And so here were these two children we were told were twins. The grandmother told the the orphanage that to keep them together, which she ain't wrong. I mean, that was, she was smart. And so I'm driving, I think I may have told you this before, but I mean, you know, we've sponsored children so many, I mean, you know, Mm -hmm. you go and you get compelled to sponsor and oh my gosh, it's just whatever, 40 a month, whatever. And you, you sponsor the child and you put their picture on your fridge and pray for them and you love them. But this was something so completely and totally different. I was driving down the highway and my little phone beat and it was a text from my girlfriend that was in Kenya with a picture of my two children. And that moment I had to pull the car over because the presence of the Lord was so strong. I began to just weep when I saw them. And it was instant that I was like, oh my gosh, how do I have two children that are my children? How do I have two children across the world? This makes zero sense to me. And I just cried and cried. And I told her instantly, yes, of course, we will sponsor them, you know. So that's how it started. And we began sponsoring them right away. But 
as God does with these two, especially in these two, God has used everything bad or everything that would cause harm, everything that would be meant to stop what he's trying to do. He's used it all for good. Wow. It's really fascinating to now be on this side and look back. For instance, they are biracial. They're light-skinned. So they were bullied in Kenya. You know, they were bullied in Kenya for being light-skinned. And so they were pulled out of the orphanage and put into the caretaker's home. Favor is on their life and has been since day one. But what happened with that is it allowed us to Skype with them It opened the door for a lot more connection, conversation, getting to know each other. So they weren't, number one, they were our kids. Number two, they weren't just pictures on the fridge. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Life didn't revolve around it, but it sure was. If I got a message that we could Skype, if I got a letter, and I mean, it was Johnny and Shanique have been, from the day that I got that text going down that highway, have been a major figure in our life. Wow. Johnny and Shanice. Am I saying it right? You are, Shanice. At the time, how old were they when you started sponsoring them? Nine and 10. Okay. How old are they now? 18 and 19. Mm. A lot of changes in that 10 years. Wow. I feel myself wanting to cry. Yeah. They're amazing. Yeah. So they are now 18 and 19, and both of them are here with us. That was a huge fast forward, by the way. <laughs> oh, no, I mean, you went, went, we went, okay, I'm going to cry. So I'm hitting fast forward on the story. <laughs> oh, thank you for your transparency. It's, wow. I mean, it's been a lot. I'm not trying to get you to tell me all the details because we yeah. just simply don't have time for that. But I do. I know enough to know you just can't go get kids from Kenya. You cannot. <laughs> You absolutely okay. you, you you can't do it. That can't happen. You cannot do it. We were talking Keith and I were talking about this on the way home from Johnny's soccer game last night, watching him play on these fields where before he would take little plastic trash bags and turn them into a ball and play barefooted on the dirt. Now to watch him his senior year, like on this soccer team that's in the playoffs trying to get to state. And we just drove home last night and I'm like well, you cannot do what has happened in this life in the last three. You, you you physically cannot get kids out of Kenya like this. No, you can't do it. Just a, It really is a miracle. Yeah, it's something that we could have never done in our own strength. We the whole time, you know, and I could go back, but it was, okay, we'll take a step and see if the Lord opens the door. If he shuts the door, we're not going to push. This is a tender thing. This is a really sensitive thing. This is a thing that could be controversial. And because I will be the first to raise my hand and say, I don't believe in necessarily pulling people out of the land from which they've been born into. Right. You know, I don't think that uh, we rescued, you know, it was some big rescue mission. That's not the way my brain works. And so it had to be God opening the doors and shutting the doors that needed to be shut in order for this to happen. It's the only way. For those who are hearing this and don't realize what a miracle it is that this happened. You guys, after you went the first time you were there, you're overwhelmed. Overwhelmed, I think, is a good way to say it, because you are, in fact, submerged in a world nothing like what you're used to in every respect. Yeah. 
how long after you arrived and recovered from jet lag, hopefully, did you get to meet them in person? Well, it's so funny because Johnny and I were just talking about this. He asked me at the dinner table the other night, tell me what you were feeling right before we met, you know, and all this kind of stuff. And I said, well, tell me what you were feeling. So I was out in the streets playing with the kids, you know, he's like, so one, I met Johnny because I didn't know this at the time, but Shanice, because she's a year older, she had already gone down to another school in a little tiny village called Latuk Tuk, which is right at the border of Tanzania, Tanzania, as Americans say it. And so she was not there. So we landed and we were in Nairobi. We did the first week in Nairobi and the second week in Latuk Tuk. And so I knew Johnny was coming home from school and that, you know, he'd been playing in the street and all whatever he little boys do, little nine-year-old boys do. And so I was in the den and I heard somebody say, we've got somebody here for you to meet. And I knew it was him. I mean, I was messed up from the minute I saw his picture, but from this minute, forget it. I've been toast from that moment on, I think, Scott. <laughs> from that moment on, and he knows it. He just stole my heart. And so that was really special because, again, gosh, it was such an unusual set of circumstances, you know, because he was in the house that we were staying in because he'd been pulled out of the orphanage. Mm -hmm. Right. So we got to lay in bed and read books every night. He'd come into my room in the morning on the way to school at 5 a.m. or whatever before they'd walk. He got to we got to eat dinner together. We got to snuggle on the couch. I got to sit there and teach him how to play Uno. We got to like, we got a lot of time. And so everybody else on the trip, they might have like a little bit of time with the kid they were sponsoring this, that, and the other. And so it was really cool. But even on that trip, because, you know, my heart was already, yeah, I'm, I was done for, but even on that trip, I was told, I was told things that weren't hundred percent correct. We'll just put it that way. But I was Old, that they can never leave Kenya. They can, you know, maybe they're 18 plus they could leave. There was a lot of stuff that happened. And so, yeah, I kind of cried and thought, well, I'll be coming back and forth basically all the time until they're 18. And then we'll see if we can get them to visit. So I can hear you thinking this and tell me if I'm wrong, but you met the little guy and you got all the time with him. And then, of course, the second week, you also got to meet Shanice. Yeah. But in your mind, I know you're saying, in 10 days, I'm getting on a plane or whatever length of time it was. Yeah. The tide immediately starts going out on your time with them. Am I right? Yes. You're enjoying it, but you're like, you're feeling the tide go out. And you're like, ah. Yes. And seeing Shanice, FYI, was equally... When I look back on the pictures, there's just nothing to embrace a child that's to see them for the first time. It's just, it's unbelievable. Yes. And I had to say goodbye to her in La Tuk Tuk, which there's no words. And then I went back to Nairobi and had like one more night with Johnny and had to say goodbye to him. But we were talking about that, how, and each trip was that way. The third trip was probably the worst as far as the goodbyes. And, you know, you're saying to them, I'll be back. I promise. I'll be back. I'll be back. I'll be back. I'm coming back. And every sponsor says that. Yes, they do. It's hard to take the time off for many people. It is a, a crazy trip. It's expensive. It's a lot of things. And so a lot of people never come back. And I'm sure they prepared their heart for that. Leaving and driving in that car 
and looking in that rear view, it was torture. I can feel it. I can feel it. He was crying. I was crying. I mean, we all, the tears that have happened over the past number of years have been kind of crazy. But trip two, when you say, I promise, promise you back, and you actually go back. We were all in love, but I believe that they began to start letting some walls down and really actually believed what I was saying and that we were very serious about being in their life and them being in ours. Yeah. We could have five-hour conversation here, and it would all be equally enjoyable. I want to make sure we get in the essential parts. Okay. When did you know and what were the circumstances surrounding they were coming? Yeah. So third trip was a nightmare and really tough. Residual issues in me and the women that went with me for years. Like it was tough. Yeah. So I knew when I left that trip, I truly left feeling a little bit hopeless, to be honest. I thought when I left that trip in July of 2019, that probably I was done and wasn't going to be able to see my kids again until if I could even communicate with them, which was going to be iffy, that it could possibly be not until they were actually out of school and out from underneath mm-hmm. the system. Okay, so yeah. that that goodbye was, I told you, I mean, I've never cried all night long in a little hut in the middle of the bush like I did that night. I mean, I, not to be overly dramatic, but it was it was really hard. And so I left that trip thinking that, that that would be it. And at some point, I had never been allowed to meet their biological mother, which most every other person that went, we would meet the biological parents. If, we, if they were there, we would meet them. It would be part of the trip. And I asked for three trips to meet her. Yeah. Never allowed to. Anyway, one day I'm here home and probably curled up in the bed because for months, I mean, it was it was rough. And I got a message Someone reached out to me on Facebook. Long story short, it ended up being their biological mother. Oh, wow. And we began just conversation, just nothing out of the blue, just connecting, conversating, me learning about her, her learning about me. Anyway, she and I became, I guess you would almost say partners in figuring out the plan was to try to see if we could bring the kids here just for the holidays. Because she said, what? You were told they can't leave Kenya? That's not true. That's simply not true. Really? I had no idea. I thought they couldn't leave till they were 18 or more. And so she began to help with what needed to be done. We decided to take a step and then take another step, another step. We miraculously miraculously got them here and they landed here November 12th of 2019. And we had bought a ticket for just six weeks for them to be here Thanksgiving and Christmas. We're talking about what this would have been around or less than six months from when you came home in despair after a full night of tears in a bush hut in Kenya. And knowing probably wouldn't see or hear from them for years. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, Kenya's a whole nother thing. Like once you lose contact or a way to contact, how do you ever contact? So all these things were going through mind. And here we are less than six months later from this horrific trip that we were on. And somehow I'm like, wait, what? The hurdles on just that were taking these two little kids to the embassy and trying trying to get a passport 
How are we going to get them on a plane and get them to the United States? So anyway, miracles around the passport, miracles around the visa. That would blow your mind and be beautiful stories and a whole podcast in and of themselves. And we got someone, we paid someone like through the airlines to escort them all the way through. Unattended minor international. I get it. Yes. Did that. And they landed in Charlotte, North Carolina. Oof. Anyway. I think we're both feeling it right now. (laughs) You're making me cry. Stop that. Gosh. I always never think I'm going to cry with you. I can remember just the feeling of like standing there and seeing that plane come on the tarmac and then watching them walk down that, whatever it's called, you know, corridor from the plane to me. Anyway, it was unbelievable to think that they were here and had a whole gaggle of people that loved him and had met him and been with me. Some of my best friends that had been to Kenya were, they couldn't go into that part, but Keith and, you know, all of my friends were waiting for them as the three of us walked out, you know, I had my, had them all under my arms. It was incredible. It was really incredible. So that was when they landed and got here and we fully expected for it just to be for a visit, you know? Just to be for a little holiday visit. Yeah. Woo. Somebody put tear gas here somewhere in my room. Sorry. I think it was you, E. I'm sorry. I'm always ready for you to cry, but I'm not as ready for me to do the same. Thank you, though. I feel better for the process, for sure. Okay. Can we assume they have been here since then? They have been here since then. Yeah. Yeah. I know that you can't tell everything. And I don't think, you know, that really is our point, but yeah, you enrolled them in high school. You, you basically became their mama U.S. and you guys are a family. We are a family. Yeah. I'm still in trouble here. E. Help me. <laughs> I'm in trouble. When they were here for the visit, long story short, is we through just sitting on the beds and talking and being together, little snippets would come out and we learn, we began to learn more. Yeah. And so as the time progressed closer and closer to them flying back into what situation we weren't sure, right? Like, oh my gosh, is there anything that we can do? Let's just see. And so we reached out to an immigration attorney out of Charlotte and we had a lot of conversations. And to be honest, the first conversation I hung up and I went, well, we knocked on that door, but it's not it's not an open door because nothing made sense. Like we thought, you know, is there a way to do a student visa? Is there a way to do a da-da-da? Is there a way? Because for those of you that don't know, Kenya is a closed nation as far as any kind of adoption. You're not right. allowed to adopt. it. So we had one more conversation and it was, Scott, the whole thing was closed door, closed door, closed door, closed door. And at the very end, this attorney asked us a couple of questions and I said, yes, yes, yes. And he went, wait, what? Why have I not thought of this? And it was like, all of a sudden, this light bulb came on and he said, there is a special status specifically for children that are in the situation that we're talking about. Let me see what I can do And so Everything began to happen really quickly. We were told not to send them back, even though we would be kind of going against what that visa. Although when they got when they brought them in, they stamped the visa for six months. But still, we were told not to send them back because then 
necessarily look good in court. We were really guided through all these things. COVID came on in. And long story short, because it was a long process, it is not for the faint at heart. I'll just say that. But you need to know that you know that you know that it is what God wants. Because it's not for the faint of heart, not only from what you have to do logistically and see if it can even happen financially, logistically, emotionally, spirit. I mean, there's a whole gamut of things that go on with all of this. But here we are now. And let's see, we got them here the end of 2019. Before the end of 2021, almost everything happened almost to the date of like their arrival. They came here November 12th, 2019, November 12th, 2020. I think that was unbeknownst. They did a court date. We went to court. That day was unbelievable. The whole, we walked before an entire courtroom packed with people, Scott, packed with people there for divorces and disputes and alimony, all the things, and didn't know how long we'd be there. They called our case. I had to be the one to testify on the stand for like 30 minutes. And at the end of it, the judge started crying and he was like, He hit that gavel and he was like, I'm declaring these children yours. He said, I've never, he said, I've been doing this for 30 some years. I've never had a story move me like this. I've never cried on the stands, you know, and he looked right at our two children and he implored them that God was going to use them and use their story and that he prayed. He was thankful to be one little part of what God was doing. This is in a courtroom packed with people. Wow. That he was so thankful to be a part of what God was doing and that he hoped that they would tell their story to so many people for the rest of their life on what God did. And we walked out of that courtroom arm in arm, crying, hugging. The whole place was like, looked like they'd been in shell shock. You know, it was just an incredible day. So that was 2020. And by 2021, we went back and forth to Charlotte and we had had all these meetings. Mm-hmm. And by 2021, we had green cards, permanent residence, fully legally ours. The whole thing was done. Done. Wow. I know. Here we are a year later. <laughs> Almost exactly a year later. Here we are. Well, no, I was just going to say, I mean, I talked to people that are here and have and have gone through the process for years and are married to an American or the process is not an easy one. And so the fact that everything is kind of pretty much done, it's just kind of it's just all of it's been an exclamation point from the Lord on this what this was the way. I just appreciate you sharing this with me and us and and you gotta ask yourself, going back even to what you were saying in the beginning, we got all these human ideas about what God's will must be meaning. And, but I, I will say God's got something in mind. Yeah. You know, and, and, it, and he's, you know, the secret of the Lord is for those who fear him. He has some secrets that we're still finding out about Johnny and Shanice's story. I yeah. would love for you, if you could get them to greet us, just send me a couple of little audio files where Johnny, greet us and Shanice would greet us and they could do it together. I would love to get their voices on here because this is their story. It's your story. And it's, and it's their story. And it's like I said, to you when I knew we might talk about the kids, you know, and I think we've done a good job of just giving the high points. So much of this is their story, you yeah. know, not 
my story to tell as far as the details of their life. So yeah, Denise isn't here right now, but maybe when she gets home for, it would be fun to get the two of them together. Something that struck me was you said, but God has something in mind, right? He has something in mind for Johnny and Shanice. He has something in mind for every one of us. But when you said that, I thought, yeah, but we have to get God's mind over the situation because I guess my warning or was it can't something like this cannot be a good I just be a good idea. Yeah. No. It can't be just out of sentimentality or because your heart's tugged. It can't, you know? And so I think with any of these bigger decisions in our life, we have to get God's mind on it, submit our will to his and really get his mind on the matter. Yeah. E. I appreciate your friendship. It's been way too long since I've seen you and Keith. I'm hoping we can fix that sometime soon. I really appreciate you being here. I appreciate you having me. 14-year friendship, but one that every time we pick up the phone and call or connect, it's just like, and look, we don't small talk. That's right. We're going straight for the deep end of the pool. (laughs) I really appreciate that about you. (laughs) Praise the Lord. Hey, tell us where we can find your daily thoughts. It's just elizabethbraswell.com. It goes to that sub stack. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm kind of praying about what this looks like, maybe even in 2023, but I have been writing a daily morning thought, Scott, for almost six years. Wow. So I've just started with Substack maybe a year ago, so it's not loaded up, but there's a bunch there. And if you subscribe, if you want to subscribe, they come to your email every morning and some are long. I'm trying to keep them short. They're just a little little thought, which would wake up to in the morning and maybe hopefully bless you. That's my hopes for that. So yeah, it's just with Braswell.com and that's it. Yes. Thank you for doing that, by the way. I really appreciate you and your contribution and your life, who you are. My huge thanks again to Elizabeth for being part of the show. I so appreciate her willingness to walk in obedience to God, allow her leadership to take her down a road less chosen. And I really appreciate her taking time and offering us the transparency that she did and telling the story. Thank you, E. If you'd like to get more stories like this, make sure you're subscribed to the show and definitely check out our back catalog at Leaders Moment. That's all for now. We'll have something great for you in another month. Thank you for being a part of the Leaders Moment podcast. We also want to say thanks to Vision Voice, our sponsor, and encourage you to check out their website at visionvoice.us. Also, if you haven't already, please visit leadersmoment.org slash follow to have this podcast and future ones delivered to your favorite podcast app every time we publish. Thanks again.